Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 1420 The Watch Clicker Podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? So good, man. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, indeed. Uh, uh, yeah, no, man, I'm doing, I'm doing great. You, you know, the, the, the holidays are always a little crazy at work. We, uh, you, people go on vacation, and so the, the ones that are back are left to kind of pick up the slack, which is why you're in a law firm and not a solo. Um, you, you know, that's, that's the thing that, that you want. Um, it's me and our one like nearing retirement of counsel in the office right now. And so he does not take other people's stuff. Mm-mm. So four full-time attorneys, three of them gone, me left. I am a little busy, which is okay. It, it's good. We did a really good job on vacation memos, and I kind of know what we're doing, and and that's fine. But it's just a lot, you know. I get to work, and it's like, okay, here's this list of seventy five things that I need to do today, and I'll just I'll just chip away at them. Um, but no, it, it's it's been really good. I had an opportunity to ski on Monday. Um, conditions were terrible. I believe it, uh, but it was still a lot of fun. I've got really good skis for terrible conditions, which is nice. Um, yeah, so I am like, well, I can't complain. I can't complain. I'm getting old. I'm a little overweight. Other than that, I'm good. Andrew, you're, how you're are you? You're not balding, though. I'm not balding. I have all my hair. And so my hair right now, I feel like, is, is doing a thing. So, yeah. 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 So hard to complain. Andrew, how are you? I'm good. I'm worn out from uh, a very long ongoing christmas celebration sure so my dad came down last thursday yeah we talked about it did we on the show uh no no oh. you and i talked about oh it. yeah we did oh no we we did we uh we were, it was last wednesday my dad was here there we go yeah so it was it, we did talk about it on the show so that, so he came down wednesday but that began that kicked off the the festivities because then my wife's parents and her grandpa came down for Christmas Eve on Christmas Eve and her parents stayed the night and into Christmas morning. And so we had Christmas morning with Sam's parents and the kids were maniacs as you'd expect because Christmas morning yeah, and they ought appropriate. to be. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They ought to be. But then we piled into the car and we drove up to Portland, my sister's house where there was just more Christmas Day activities. So the kids were... More mayhem. Yeah, more mayhem. And then my my nephew is 21 and gets along really well with both the kids. So it was just this... The way you said that, I thought there was going to be something creepy. No, no, he gets along really well and he yeah. loves them. And he's he's just... It's just chaos. Just this trail of like an adult running around being chased by two screaming children like they're like they're freaking um what are those pygmies just <laughs> blood and screaming and uh and then the following day we went back up to portland or at least the portland metro for uh follow-on christmas activities with sam's grandma so it just it made for a, a really extended celebration. So yeah, traveling I, back and forth to Portland's a pain in the ass. I hate it. It's a nightmare. It's the worst drive in these United States. Did well, that's objectively not true. Uh no, did you incorrect. consider Done getting like an Airbnb or something? Up there? We did, but then we'd have to board the dogs and we thought yeah. the value of all of us sleeping in our own beds would be would negate the two and a half hour yeah, drive. Yeah, would would be worth it when we consider being back in the car for Two and a half hours. Sure. So, but we did. It's there. Everyone had a lot of fun. It was cool. I haven't had a Christmas off in a long time, so it was nice to like actually see family all at once. And do you remember when Portland to Eugene used to be a two-hour drive, mm-hmm. and how at some point it became two and a half hours, and we just like rolled with it? We just accepted it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's two and a half hours. If you go like in the middle of the night, you can do it too. If you go in the middle of the night, you can do it about hour hour forty five. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. That's true. It yeah. it everything took less time when I was twenty, mm-hmm. and not just because there were fewer people. I think I was more prone to taking risks. Yeah, 
but now it's just that there's so much construction and traffic and you just you come to a full stop on the freeway at least four times doesn't matter if there's traffic or not you just end up coming to a stop so it just it uh yeah it's just long and i'm tired but i had a lot of fun and i'm glad to now be sitting here drinking beer with you yeah and Talking about watches. Let's talk about watches, man, because we are today talking about watches because this is a podcast that's dedicated to the discussion of watches. Yeah, and we have done it in five minutes and 46 seconds. So you're welcome. Including they, a jingle. They said it wasn't possible. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm still not convinced that it is. It's not. No, it's not possible. Yep. Uh, Andrew, you had asked me today to think about the year that was 2022, the, the year that is rapidly approaching its conclusion. Mm-hmm. We are we are in the 28th day. We're not. We're in the 27th day are, yeah. of 2022. By the time folks are listening to this, it will be the 30, 29th day. Okay. The penultimate day of nope. 2022. The 30th day, that's penultimate. The 29th is not, though. Oh, yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why I'm having trouble here. I, you know, this is just math. It's hard. Uh, yeah, that's right. Anyway, we're getting close to the end. Can we just say that? Will you yes, agree we with are, that? Yes, we are. The end is nigh. <laughs> uh, so, so you had asked me to think about that year, uh, about the things that had happened. We, of course, talked about kind of uh, the year in watches 2022, which is uh, in like a... A, a news sense, a 40 and 20 mm-hmm. review of the watches and the things that happen. Uh, that's not what we're doing today. No, it is not. What What is it that we're doing today? Today. I, I always think of new year that the, the changing of the year as a time for reflection. Sure. And a time for optimism, a time to tell your family all the things you're thankful for to make yeah. things up about how much you love them. Yes. We're not going to do that second part today. Okay. Um, <laughs> though I, I love any, each and every one of you. I'm very thankful for yeah. you, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> so I wanted to do an episode thinking about our watch experience of 2022. Sure. The but things the things that we did, the things that maybe changed in us. Like how how did we as watch people, not as podcasters, not as as media people change but how do we change over 2022 and and then take some time to talk about what we're looking forward to to next year sure and, and it's been a big year for both of us in terms it, of our our watch journey it really has been would you like to start well i'll tell you uh, i did a thing this year i i, I launched a watch brand and did? i i did uh you you may have heard of it uh I'll tell you, a lot has changed with that. Um, obviously, I gained a ton of knowledge, mm-hmm. a ton of knowledge about the sort of um, boutique, micro, sort of behind the scenes, making the sausage. Can I can I say something real quick? Can I speak to the people real quick? Tell them. You, you, you know, here I am. I'm this guy. I started a watch brand. I know things about starting a watch brand. Um at least my experience, right? I'm not going to write a book anytime soon here. Um, but you will see it in the 1420 store <laughs> come some, March 1st. That's right. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't think, I think that there is a, a shroud of mystery that's been placed over the some of the things we're doing, and I don't really get it, um, the, the shroud, or, or at least the placement of it in any event. And... I am happy to talk about these things. I, I don't know what questions people might have. And, and I assume nobody's writing lists of questions they have. But if you guys ever have questions, or you want to know about something, um, I'm happy to provide any information I have about that. Um, because I, honestly, I just don't think that there's no, the the secrecy is weird to me. Well, And in our experience with other brand owners, everyone's pretty willing to be open and honest yeah. and almost entirely transparent. I think that lack of transparent, the only hes- hesitance that people have about transparency is they don't exactly want to talk numbers, which is pretty reasonable. Yeah, you, you know, I, I'm even okay with that. Look, so so uh, uh, all that to say, all that to say, um, uh, one of the things that we would like to do with Foster, um, meaning Christian and I, uh, that, that we, 
is is to just tell people the, the answers. Like, if you want to know how much my fucking hands cost and where I get them made, to the extent I know where we get them made, I'll tell you. Right? I'll tell you how much they cost. I know how I, I know how much they cost. Um, you, you know, and not that I think anybody's staying up at night thinking how much did I ever pay for those brand new black painted hands on the what uh, uh, soon to be released white dial. 11 Atmos Skin Diver uh, <clears throat> coming soon to a story to you. Uh, <laughs> but how, how much did I pay for that stuff? I can tell you. We would tell you. Um, Are you going to put a bill of materials on your website? N- no, no, probably not. But that's maybe the point, right? Mm-hmm. I think that there are some mysteries in this industry that people maintain just because it feels like that's the that's the mystery that we maintain, right? I think part of it is that people feel uncomfortable making money. Y- yeah. And, and people get shitty about you making money. True. That's How, that's the numbers thing that makes people hesitant to talk about it. But you know, you and I, you and I were really. Mike France has said this not just on our show, but on other shows and in interviews. You know, we're a three to one company. Mm-hmm. We make three times our cost on each sale, right? So sixty percent of their sixty percent of their sale price is profit. Mm-hmm. And I think those are those are good numbers. Those are really you know that's competitive. Uh, profit. You, you know, you, you should expect that. Well, it's not exactly profit. <laughs> it's it keeps the lights on. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, that's what it is. That it, it it's it's meant to pay people, right? It's profit. This is we're going to be able to put this in R and D. We're going to be able to allocate our profit. We don't have to pay. Build the bel Canto. That's right. That's right. So, um, you, you know, to get back on track, you know, you know, I'll finish up the thought. Just, just ask us. We're going to not uphold mystery for the sake of mystery, and happy to answer questions. Now, back to back to forty and twenty. Back to our show because I've learned all this stuff uh, firsthand. You know, what's the hardest thing about making a watch? Probably designing the box. Uh, you, you know, these kind of things. Like I've I've learned things about this industry that people don't really think about. That I didn't really think about. That don't really matter. That I don't care about. Um, and so that has changed the way I approach watches a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. It's changed the way that I think about good watch design. It's changed the way that I want to interact with my watches. Um, you, you know, talking to R- Richard uh, from Studio Underdog, it's like I have so much appreciation for what that guy is doing mm-hmm. um, because he's a- approaching his business in a much different way than I approached my business. Right. Maybe not much different, but certainly different. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and I, and I like that. I don't like that because he did it differently or better or whatever. I like it because I can see w- what he did. And I'm like, that's a cool thing to do. And I'm not taking shots at anybody, but we don't see that all the time. We don't see people coming at, watches in a way that is like aha you did a thing there and i appreciate that thing you did um mm, i think we do i think it just often it doesn't land as well as that all the time well of course a and, lot and of people out there taking risks and a lot of them don't play well <laughs> that's right well and 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 also there's just i think we see a lot of brands where we you know you kind of don't see that stuff mm-hmm. too so not a lot i'm i'm not putting numbers on it but I, I am able to interact. So personally, where I've come, um, yeah, has a lot to do with that. Another thing has happened, which is that I launched a watch brand and I am morally obligated to wear my watch all of the time. I mean, really all of the time. I, I And I'm not morally obligated. A, I want to wear my watch. I love my watch. But God forbid... Kim sees you not wearing it. Oh, no, goodness, not gracious. Kim, but God forbid I run into someone and they're like, Everett, I haven't seen you. Where's your watch or, or, or whatever. Right. I, I mean, I wear, I wear my watch all the time and, and I can wear other watches. I have choices to be made, but um, yeah, I'm wearing my watch. All, so now I've got 30, 30 plus, 30 plus watches just sitting on my nightstand uh, or sitting on my dresser in their boxes and haven't been touched in, you know, going on 45 days at this point. Not even the reef, huh? No, yeah. Yeah. Look, I do not wear other watches, at least right now. I'm wearing the Foster and that's it. And so, yeah, I've got to think about that. Is there, 
Is there a call for me to consolidate here? I don't know. I don't know. I've been thinking about consolidation too. I wonder if that like, I mean, with that, I, I had a, a similar consolidating thought this, this last, in the last couple of weeks. Like I don't, I, I bought all these watches for a reason and I haven't sold any of them for a reason. Some of them for a couple of reasons, but I still love all these watches. But I, I don't know that they're still bringing me joy by just sitting in my watch box. Right. And I feel weird about having so many watches that I don't wear. Right. And, and just have no intention of it. My eyes never go there in the watch box. It's even got eyeball dust. Like it's, it's just not there. It's not being engaged with. I bought that. I like that. Uh, but that was, I mean, I, I got to a similar point this year for you know very different reasons. But thinking about paring down and getting down to the, you know, four or five zone. But also why? I'm okay with having those. It's a conflict. I'll keep working on it. Tell us about your year, Andrew. So my year, I made a couple important acquisitions. Yeah, you did. Early in the year, I got a Traska commuter. And that was it for me. I realized, oh, this is the size. 36 is my space. I love small watches. And I had, on the horizon, new that it was going to be a Santos acquisition year. And I spent the year very deliberately planning for that acquisition and then finally made it. And I got this watch and I love this watch. I'm not wearing it today because I wanted to wear my 36, but I was also doing some stuff that I didn't want to wear the Santos doing. Your scratch magnet Santos. Yeah. Scratch and uh, fingerprint magnet. It's not scratched yet. I did think I got a scratch on the clasp of the commuter, but I was wrong. It, it's just a smudge. <laughs> this thing is, <laughs> this is bulletproof. This, this thing's great. Uh, but that that was my. I don't. I don't think I. I don't think there's anything else random in there for my year of acquisitions. And you know, the year prior, I tried to be really, really diligent in not exactly fasting. Right, some acquisitions were made. Yeah. But slowing down my purchasing, my, my got to catch them all kind of butterfly catcher mentality and working towards refining what it is I was looking for, why I was looking for it, what I wanted. And, and within that, <clears throat> what's the best thing that I can get that fits that need? Mm-hmm. And for the Santos, it was that's just the watch that I want. That, that there was no particular need that that watch was going to fill. It's not, I mean, it's a tool watch. You can wear it like a tool watch, but that's but just because I love you, the fucking watch. You don't. And because it's not going to be for you and that's yeah, okay. It's, not, it's just not going to be, it doesn't have loom. It's yeah. also a fingerprint magnet, but it's amazing. And I love it. And that was reason enough for me. And I think my next year, I, I'm, I'm going to try to plan out like what, where are my goals for, what, what kind of watches do I want? And why do I want them? What, Try to it, really refine that that decision-making process. Is it is it okay if I ask you some questions about your year? Because yeah. I, I think you've had uh, an interesting... I think you've interacted with watches differently this year than you have in prior years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think specifically about wind-up. Um, going to a watch event, I know that has been big for me in the way I look at watches. Um going to to watch events and meeting owners and um you know getting in a room with all these ideas and creations um has that affected you do you think and 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 if so what do you take from that i think the the biggest effect that's had on me is is the exposure to the variety the exposure to the things we're going to wind up one of the best parts is getting to put all these watches on your wrist and be like oh okay Okay, I see it. I see why this is as good as people say it is. Or this is way better than I expected it to be. 
um, which maybe just means I like all watches in person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I, it turns out I like watches. So so maybe I should just be an online <laughs> shopper only. Um, but what I found at Windup and even at um, Watch Time was an appreciation for like, oh, this is really fucking cool. But I don't need to have it. I'm not excited about it. As cool as it is, I'm excited for how cool it is. I'm excited for other people to have it. But I'm comfortable saying this isn't for me. Yeah. And and not in a disparaging way. Because it used to be, I felt like if I said, because I, I, it's not, I don't like it. But I have, I've recently come to grips with the fact that it's okay to like something and not want it. Yeah. Yeah, right. And... That's that's a big corner for me because it used to be like I like it, I want it, I'm gonna have it. I'm not gonna wear it, but I want it because I like it. Yeah. So divorcing those ideas of liking something and wanting something was wind up was really helpful with that that final like nail in the casket of loving something but not wanting to have it. You, you know, we see people deal with that that realization in a lot of different ways. You know, you hear a lot about the one in one out mm-hmm. mentality um, or, or whatever, you, you know, it seems to be like a common refrain amongst watch people, this realization that um, I don't need to have them all. I don't need to have all of them. It, certainly not all at once. Um, and I think that that is a, a true thing that, that you're, you've pointed out this, idea that I can see something, I can appreciate it, I can enjoy it. And also I don't need to own it. Um, or even particularly want to own it. That's right. There are, there have been moments for me, um, in the last handful of years where I but tried to justify a purchase. Well, you, you know, I need this because it fills this hole or whatever, or mm-hmm. I, I need this, but if I need this, then I don't need this anymore or, or whatever. And and frankly, at the end of the day, um, being able to enjoy watches without uh, pissing away your life savings is a meaningful <laughs> step in the watch appreciation journey. And so, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see where you go in the future years. Buying a, a, a Santos is a financially big decision and it will affect future decisions you make. Right. Mm -hmm. Do I, my emotional threshold for a dollar sign just went way the fuck up. Right. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. 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 That's right. You you, you know, (laughs) and you bought the Santos with earned and saved money. You you didn't get hit by a car. True. You you didn't. I spent uh, a long time. I I planned for it for 18 months. Yeah. Very diligently planned for it. Had some road, road, not roadblocks. Speed bumps along the way, slowed the process down a little bit, but got there in with really good timing. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you though the um, the fears archival nineteen thirty. Call your name. It it was a speed bump. <laughs> when I put it on, I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah. Obviously, I didn't purchase it. It's also not quite right. It fills a very different space, and it didn't have that that dope bracelet. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, um, I'm excited for this next year. I'm excited to see what you do. I'm excited to see what I do. I will tell you, I was looking at again. I'm going to talk about Foster just for another second. Mm-hmm. I was deep in the weeds in this last week and a half, two weeks on tech drawings for a field watch Mm. and changing. uh, Are you using CAD or are you still doing? No, we're not using CAD, but, but we're looking at CAD drawings that someone else has made Um, and changing the post height to get total dimensions down. And yeah, look, man, this, it's really cool. The, 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 the process is really cool. Like, fighting for a half a millimeter on a watch, it, you know, it, it, it's cool. It's, it's, I think it'd be, it, as I'm understanding the things that you've talked about in your, your year, hmm. it sounds like you have gained an appreciation for the, 
um, the actual industrial design mm-hmm. behind a watch. Yeah, absolutely. Like in, in a way that I think most people will never fully understand. Yeah, I do think that it is a little bit like um, building a cabinet or whatever, right? You, you might watch a YouTube video. Um, you, you might s- sort of at, at a distance kind of understand how it's put together. But until you actually buy the lumber and screw the screws in the pocket holes, you don't really know what it's like to do that, to make those decisions, right? Yeah. And so having had that experience does make me appreciate the industrial design. You you know, at one point talking to our manufacturer today, I said I had selected a movement, a different movement. And I said, would this movement get us to where we want to be? And they had said, I don't think it makes a difference. And I said, well, let's talk about it and let's keep it in the back of our heads. And we wound up using that movement. Mm -hmm. And so I said today today in a text message i said does this actually make me a watch designer because i feel like i need to order a new name tag um so i'm just so i'm just asking uh asking the questions <laughs> you, you know but but really like being able to understand the dimensions and um you, you know understanding how the different components affect different things does totally change the way i think about it mm-hmm. um and and it's exciting and it's fun. It will change the way I buy watches. I guarantee it will change the way I buy watches. I'm going to see things that 95% of consumers will never see because I've been involved in those processes. So I am going to never, never um, fail to appreciate those things when it's done really well. I mean, sometimes... You don't have to think about that and people don't have to think about that. And so it's not a negative, but when people do think about that stuff, man, I'm, it's going to really tickle that funny bone. Uh, it's the little things, right? Yeah. You, if you get the little things right, the big things inevitably will fall in place. I think that's right. And the whole time you were talking about that, I was just imagining this like group of old men at a woodworking convention admiring the dovetails on a chest and you, you don't appreciate a dovetail till you cut one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that's, that's it. And you've, you've cut the dovetail and you have this whole new appreciation for what went into it and see, see that person's passion, that person's uh, intuition, that person's hard work represented in the final product. And in my metaphor, I said pocket holes, yeah. which which gives you some insight into the way I approach these things. But uh, yes, that's absolutely right, Andrew. Yeah. Anything else? Any any other big stuff for for this year? I mean, I don't I don't remember setting. I mean, I my goal air quote goal for this year. I had some acquisitions that I wanted to make, and I made one of them, and I'm so pleased by it. And that was I, I just kind of like. Went into the year, just turned the corner. I was like, "This is my my purchase list." What do you do? You have a plan for next year? Are you gonna make a plan for next year? Or are you just gonna keep riding the the Foster wave? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I, 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 I'm. It's not like I'm not gonna appreciate other watches, and so I think for me, it's figuring out what it is I really want, figuring out the things I enjoy. Um, and, and being diligent, being deliberate about those decisions, more of the same, frankly, if you know me or if we've ever talked about how I buy watches, or if you've ever heard an episode of the show, when we've talked about that, that that's not a change. It's just going to be more refined. It's going to be more refined. It's going to be more deliberate. And, and that's it. Are there any watches I'm looking at right now? I don't think so, but I know what it is I want. Frankly, I think I'm probably in a place where I'm going to be looking at things like the Formex. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be looking at things like Monta. Um, brands where really cagey, sexy decisions have been made r- with really difficult objectives in mind and, and that have by and large achieved those things. Um, it, it's hard to say right now that this is what I want to buy, but I'm going to be looking at those things in new releases like, oh my gosh, 
They did, you, you know, I didn't get in on that Yama micro rotor Kickstarter and, and for, for a number of reasons, one of those is just the cost. Um, but I think that's a cool thing and I'm kind of here for it. Things like that, you, you know, um, yeah, yeah. You, you know, Andrew, I, it occurs to me that we are at a really good place to transition to what we expect for next year. We, yeah. we, had, we had talked about some predictions. I don't know if we have to make. We're all about the hot takes here. We we could rename our podcasts to 40 hot takes. And 20 bad decisions. Tw- and, and, and 20-somethings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that there is <laughs> I think that there is an opportunity here to reflect a little bit more comprehensively on the year that was watches. We've already mm-hmm. done that it's sort of watch by watch in the things that made sense to us. And, and so to, to to recap, we had, we had a couple of very big things that happened in watches, you know, the moon swatch I think probably being the most sort of yeah. The big, I think the biggest splash of the year cuz it it represented something so different to really anything else that was out there mm-hmm. right it was it it was swatch invicting itself and, <laughs> and you mean, know I, i've heard i've heard uh projections that they're going to wind up selling half a million of those by year's end which is a fuck ton of watches if you don't know now you know that's a lot that's a lot of fucking of watches, watches. And they're selling it in brick and mortars. That's what they're counting those sales against. They're not counting them against online sales. They're selling them to a fucking person. Half a million watches in a year, in three quarters of a year. That's incredible. <clears throat> I think another thing that happened that we didn't talk about, and maybe we've mentioned it a few times, the other thing that happened is the crypto crash. Yeah. We've seen, and when I say the crypto crash, I don't mean just the crypto crash. There's a lot of things that were wrapped in. A lot of things wrapped up into the crypto world. There has been a um, a tightening up of money. You know, for a while we were talking about lowering interest rates again or, or halting the increased interest rates. It, you, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with all of that as we move forward, but gold is doing well. Um, you, you know, we, we've got a whole bunch of stuff happening at very high echelons of the economy that people haven't really tracked mm-hmm. down. Crypto is totally fucked. Um, it probably, probably irreparably. So we're seeing a lot of people that were moving a lot of money in the last three to five years, having to tighten their belt straps mm-hmm. and that's having an effect on watches. The, it's Boot, having a huge effect on bootstraps. Excuse yeah. me, you gave me that look. Uh, and and so we're seeing things that don't seem like they affect us. Things like the price of the Daytona is you know down fifty percent from its high, um, which which is still up, you know, r- right. Yeah. But but <clears throat> the the investment economy for luxury goods is less uh you, you know there's less demand there and and here's part of the thing with the crypto crash the crypto crash or, or the crypto in general was driven by in large part bros like people pouring a ton of money into this cool hot thing and those same people were buying up luxury goods they were buying up rolex and they started driving that's why you know we see crypto blowing up Five years ago, which is when the secondary market for Rolex started blowing up because suddenly this dude who woke up in his dorm room with nothing had a million dollars in his crypto account. And I think with with the crypto bottom falling out, and I think you're right when you say irreparably, I don't think there's any bounce back from this because people have been seeing for the last year how volatile that market was. And now all the money that was actually in it, <laughs> turns out it's gone. <laughs> I think we're going to see stabilization and, and well, no, it's going to be a, not a flop. It's not, bottom's not going to fall out of secondary price luxury watches the same way did crypto, but it's going to come down. We're going to start seeing, you know, 20, 30% over MSRP. Think, yeah. Maybe not next year, but over the next three years, we're going to see reasonable Rolex prices again. Because, Two years ago, you could buy a used 
36 Explorer, box and papers for 8,000. Now you're looking at like 11 to 12. We're going to get back down to that price point. And I think they're probably going to sink a little bit below that and, and stabilize. And so with all that, with all that, because what does that have to do with us, right? We don't talk about those watches. We don't care about those watches. We don't buy those watches. What does that have to do with us? I think it, I think it probably only minimally affects anything. But what you're going to see is consolidation of power mm-hmm. in the major players, which is going to in turn make it harder to be a bit player mm-hmm. in that high end or the high grade and probably affecting the mid grade as well. So we're talking about, you know, certainly uh, Tag Heuer. We're talking about, you know, this this three to five thousand dollar watch. The, it's going to affect demand for those watches. It's going to affect those companies' ability to be able to sell watches. If I can get, if I can just get the sub, why the fuck am I going to get the Orosakwas that I didn't really want anyway? Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> These are decisions that are going to be made as watches free up, and that's going to affect everything. Now, how does it affect, for instance, micro brands? <laughs> I think very minimally, it, it, but it, 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 things will be affected, and we're going to have to see how that plays out. So, all of that being context, all of that being context for my first prediction, which is going to be counterintuitive. Okay. Microbrand watches are going to get more expensive in 2023. Period. Hard stop. Microbrand watches will be more expensive in 2023. I think we're looking at a 15% increase to hit the consumers. Is this a Foster announcement? In 2023. A- <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, although although Foster's prices will go up, part of that is, is because Foster has artificially low prices right now like all other micro brands correct correct the 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 small brand industry shot itself in the foot from go trying to compete with the other you know with the skx with 180 dollar watch yes trying to compete with the snk trying to compete with seiko they're like well we can we can get by with this margin correct but that's not the that's not the cost of the watch you were making (laughs) Correct. That's not the value of the watch you were making. And then all these other brands started popping up and matching prices. It's like, well, they're doing it. This is our competitor. We have to match prices. And and, and materials are more expensive. Look, manufacturing is more expensive. So if your watch brand of choice has not changed prices since 2017 or 2018 when they came out. Buy it now. They are making less money and those mm-hmm. prices will go up across the board. 15% is my guess for 2023. And they ought to. They ought to. These Everybody's going to be more expensive. Brand owners deserve to be making a paycheck. This isn't an altruistic endeavor. They're not just making it so that you can have something cool available to buy. It's their business, it's their livelihood. They deserve to make a paycheck. Yeah. So pay them their money if you like their thing. <laughs> that's right. And that's going to be an effect that is going to that is going to make it harder to sell watches. Mm-hmm. So brands like Foster are ne- all of a sudden it's going to be harder to compete. The players are the players and they're going to play and everybody else is going to have to fight harder because everything's going to be more expensive. Fewer people are going to be able to afford them or at least believe they're going to be able to afford them, believe that they can afford them. And so we're going to see a consolidation within the micro brands too. Companies are going to go away. Prices are going to go up. It is going to be harder. That's my prediction. Do, do you think with that, because I, I, I don't think, I think you're right in that we'll see prices increase. The, the consumer is still there. Sure. And people are still going to be spending their money. Sure. I'm, I don't know if I'm on board with s- seeing more brands go away than usual. I think we'll see the, the normal attrition and replacement rate. Hard to say. We no. There are, I think, probably 50% more micro brands right now than there were a year from now. A year 
than there was a year ago. And so because the brands that are popping up and actually surviving are good. The, they're the, actually they're not, it's not just a Kickstarter show up, make a watch and then go out of business because they didn't charge enough or they don't deliver on goods. We're seeing we're seeing viable brands come to market. Logic would suggest that with a steady increase of new options, uh, that competition will get more intense and that the attrition rate will go up. So that is a prediction. That is my prediction. Prices will go up. The attrition rate will go up. It will be harder to stay alive as a microbrand in the coming years. Okay. I want to hear my hot take for 2023. Let's do it. Timex is going to be doing some shit. Yeah, I like it. That's more, it's less a prediction than a hope. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of predictions for, for 2023. I have a lot of hopes. This was a good year for Timex. And I hope... Even if they just released the Expedition North, this would be a, a main yes. year for Timex. I hope they continue to drill down on their tapping into the watch enthusiast world. It's clear that they see that it's a viable market with plenty of consumers. They're dropping stuff that appeals to watch enthusiasts and non-watch enthusiasts because that's really what you need to survive because we don't keep brands afloat unless the brand is producing 100 watches a year. And I'm excited to see what they have in the works. They have a cool catalog. They got a lot to work with. That's what I'm excited for. I'm excited to see brands like Timex there's no brand like Timex. Big brands. There's no brand like Timex, but big brands connecting to the watch enthusiast world in a way that they haven't in the past. There's some cool stuff in the pipe. I've got some more predictions. Do it. I got a list. <clears throat> oh, geez. <laughs> I, I, I'll just, no, I'll go one at a time. I think we're going to see a bunch of watches with the Miyota 9075 and or yep. not and or the TMI NH34. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a bunch of watches using those two movements. We're going to see a lot of the Seiko GMT this year, too. That's the, the oh, that's is that TMI? That's yeah. TMI. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, two very different, move, two similar movements in a lot of ways. Right. These are affordable mm -hmm. GMT automatics. The 9075? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's Miyota's. That's Miyota's. Oh, it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, 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 you, you know, one of those is uh, true GMT. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Who cares? Um, the NH34 is interesting because it is a, I think, millimeter to millimeter drop in for an NH30, uh, NH35. Mm -hmm. So you you need a GMT hand, obviously. And you need a dial that can accommodate a GMT, but that's it. So if you've got an NH35 watch, you can put an NH34 in it. And have a ghost GMT function. No, have an actual GMT function. That takes a big mod. It does not. It is a millimeter to millimeter drop in. Yeah, but on your on your your hand placement is gonna be. It's possible if you don't have any applied indices because you you need that clearance for your GMT hand. So, so that's what that's what I'm saying yeah. for these brands that so the post height is the same. So it is merely a movement in a dial. Hmm. So if you, any, any NH35 watch that's come out in the last well any any time ever mm -hmm. can replace that movement with an NH34. You're you're right. There may be crystal clearance issues, and you'd need to have a dial that worked with, but dials are cheap. We're going to see a bunch of those. We're going to see a bunch of Miyota GMTs. There's going to be a lot of that shit. Big companies cannot yet. big Miyota can't make these watches. They can't make 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 of these movements and sell them, but they can sell... 150, 200 of them. Mm -hmm. 
So if you're a brand and you want 200 of these things, you're going to be able to get them. It's going to be a cool year for GMTs. It's going to be, you know, it's been the year of the GMT now for three years. And so. (laughs) Well, it has been. And, and, and it, we're, we're finally, the technology is finally caught up to the desire. Yeah. Jack Mason dropping a GMT. What the fuck? Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. It's well, Jack Mason, welcome to the party. Uh, you, you made a good watch. Yeah, and we have a we have oh shoot, what was the name of the brand? Um, uh, I remember where they were at. at I Dog. remember exactly where they were. They have. <sighs> okay, stop thinking about it. Come to you. His debut watch is a GMT. I mean, ne- that's that's some next level stuff. Next, and this is a big maybe, mm-hmm. but I think it could happen. Gold and or two-tone microbrands. And when I say gold, I mean 18 karat gold. So listen, the cost of gold is about 60 bucks right now per gram. Mm -hmm. You've got about $1,500 of gold to make a case and case back. You don't need to do gold on the case back, but case, case back, bezel, You've got about $1,500 to $2,000 in raw materials. So let's say a company like Fears, a company like Ferrer, a company like Oak and Oscar. There are a handful of companies that I think could get away with this. And it's a $2,000 more. Mm -hmm. This is the same watch plus... 2000 plus, you know, whatever, 3000, 4000. But but really what we're looking at is probably if the watch costs a thousand bucks, maybe a $5,000 watch made in 18 karat gold for a watch head. Obviously, we start talking about bracelets, we're looking at like $5,000 yeah. of material. Um and and then you're a lot more. And then you're at like 10,000, $11,000 once you once you actually get it in people's hands. But Unless they're plating it. I mean, you can plate it for less. Lot And, and plating is an option. I think generally <clears throat> people are disinclined to to appreciate plating, but that could happen. But I think a brand like Fierce could really get away with plating because of their that feel, that era that they're yes. making watches from. A gold-plated watch would be super appropriate from their catalog. I also think two-tone's a possibility. I'm not sure this is going to happen this year, but I think we're going to see folks start dipping their toes in this pool because people need to stand out. The market's there. The money's there. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see it happen. You know, I think we're going to see some of this year. Tell me. Some overbuilt tool watches coming from brands that we know and love. Interesting. We're here living in the 36 millimeter golden era. Sure. Which leaves an enormous void that previously micro brands were filling almost entirely in that 40 to 44 tool watch zone. That is still a very viable market. It is still a place where people buy and like watches. And I think a lot of the brands that we have in existence that have some design ass, they've got some, they've got a good amount of experience under their belt, see that void in the market. And are gonna take the opportunity to see that challenge and meet it. I think we're gonna see some cool stuff in that space. You know, Not some stuff. have never gone away. Look at Steve from Raven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He never stopped. He's still doing that cool big shit, and he's still selling his watches. I think we're gonna see cool brands say, "Look, this is a space that we want to work in." We haven't perfected the thirty-six millimeter field watch. We don't want to perfect it. We just want to do it well. Let's look at this space and let's try it. Let's try something new. Because that's been something that we've seen in micro brands. This is a thing we want to do. Let's do it and let's do it well. How far can we go? And innovating and trying new things. And I think we're going to see that space this year where some micro brands start working. I don't think the trend is necessarily going to go that way. No. I don't think we're ever going to go back up to 44, 45 as the as the standard 36 is here to stay 
but we're going to see some cool tool watches this year, I think. Final one for me. Do it. Thin watches. I think mm. we're going to see more thin watches this mm-hmm. year. I think people are going to start amen for sub 11, sub 10. We're going to see thin watches be the name of the game this year. I think mechanical movements. Mm-hmm. I think people are already playing around with micro rotors. Where we're seeing it. Thin movements are going to, thin watches are going to be the name of the game. The problem is that micro rotors are almost prohibitive in their cost. It's hard to. Oh, or, or their menu or, or their quality, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you get what you pay for. Right? They either suck or they're super expensive or you have to make one, <laughs> develop it yourself and sell it on a fucking Kickstarter. Yeah. So choose your path wisely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd like to see a lot more work put into the micro rotor because it's such a cool fucking thing. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, I, I think we I think we see that. I think we see that happening this year. Yeah. Next well, we, we certainly will. Well, I think we'll see it proliferate in probably three to four years. There will be a couple reliable ones out there that are affordable that can exist in this space. I mean, one movement, but there will be three or four out there that are reliable. And they'll be stratified across the, the price segments. Anything else, Andrew? Hmm. I also hope that Easter colors are over. I love colors. I love new colors and different colors. I hope next year is not a pastel year again. There was too many pastels. It's another hope. 2022, what a year. 2023, what a year it will be. Yes, there is some cool stuff coming. I'm sure of it. Andrew, my friend. For the last time in 2022, other things, what do you got? Ooh, I got another thing for you. There's a company called Spiceology. S-P-I-C-E-O-L-O-G-Y. Just how you think it'd be spelled. And as you guys know, I'm someone who cooks a lot. I like trying new things. I like trying different things. And this is a brand I've been familiar with and haven't ever gotten with um not because i have any issues with it i just typically make my own spice blends sure it's just like that's just it's good enough now (sighs) spice blends i make are always good but what i found is that when you buy a spice blend when i buy a spice blend it is inevitably better than anything i made i have no Reason for why. I can look at the ingredient list, try to recreate it, and it doesn't work. I just don't know why. Sure. So I got this uh, pack of Spiceology blends for Christmas, and I immediately just opened every single one and tasted them all. (laughs) I was immediately a little mad. I was like, number one, why haven't I been using this all along? They're they're single they're not single use right it's not like this must go in this dish only, but they're they're a single flavor profile, which matches and fits with certain things. So they'll last you a long time because you're not going to need black magic Cajun blackening seasoning for scrambled eggs, right? Or for you know take your pick of things. I mean maybe yeah, yeah I don't it's know. worth a try. We'll give we'll give it a go. Um, they're all so good. They're they're not cheap. They're 15 bucks per, um, this is a four ounce jar, 4.3 ounce jar of spice mixture, but they're all really good. And they have dozens of varieties. They've got a blackberry balsamic cowgirl crust, espresso chili rub cowgirl crust. (laughs) It says cowboy actually, but there was a pink below it. So I read cowgirl. That was weird. What just happened? I think my brain broke. Uh, Greek Freak Med, uh, Mediterranean seasoning, which is really killer. Hibiscus habanero. Um, Korean barbecue. And Korean barbecue seasoning is super, super hard to for me to, to get the proportions right when I'm making any, any kind of Korean flavor profile. <clears throat> yeah, fair. Nashville hot chicken seasoning. All of it. They've got all these different things. And and like I said, they're a little spendy. 
But if you're somebody who likes to cook and, and they, they also have like sugar-free, they have no salt, they have brining spices. They've got a huge selection of different spices, spice mixes. And I'm for it. They're kind of big. They take up a lot of spice or a lot of space in my spice drawer. But that's just, uh, that's my cross to bear. (laughs) But these are cool and they're really good. They're not cheap, nor are they prohibitively expensive. And they last a long time because you shouldn't be using, you know, tablespoons of these in most of the things that you're cooking. Yeah, sure. You don't need that. No, no, this isn't like a brine mixture, except for their brining spices, which is different. But yeah, this is this is my other thing. I, you know, there are other brands out there like this. You know, I think of Grill Your Ass Off, who have an enormous, not enormous, but they have a large selection of spice mixtures, and I have thoroughly enjoyed using theirs instead of mine because number one's cleaner, and it just they just taste better than when I make them. <laughs> I think um, spices are hard for me. There is a small handful of spices that I feel comfortable with. And beyond that, I struggle with understanding what a spice is going to do. So I I appreciate having the opportunity to play with spices in a way like that. I I think I'm a little reluctant to use blends, though. I think I'm just reluctant to use blends. I I have been too. Yeah, but you do it. You do it and you do it well. Like to use other people's blends or my own? I think probably both things are true. The spice blends that I have in my cupboard are like 60% from recommendations that you've made. Well, yeah. So this spice blend, you need to blend spices. Yeah, sure. You you can't have just oregano spaghetti. (laughs) I sure can. You shouldn't. (laughs) You shouldn't. Andrew, I've got another thing. Do me. I um, I, I may have talked about this on the show. Have I talked about Silpats on the show? I talked about Mpacks. Mm, yeah, and you were like, you're 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 talking about counterfeit Silpats, and I was like, no, but yes, yeah. It's, so oh, okay, which are you, which are holding up really well. They're a little bit stained. They're holding up great. So I was looking for Silpats. And I could not find them. The counterfeit market for Silpats has made it incredibly difficult to get good Silpats. Because there's a huge counterfeit market. You can, yeah. on Amazon, on Amazon proper, buy counterfeit Silpats mm-hmm. that say Silpat. Yep. That's how good Silpat are and how good the counterfeits are. I don't even think they're that good. When you go and click on the link, it says, these are counterfeit, do not buy, in the reviews. I don't understand it. Anyway, when I read, when I was reading about the ones that I was buying, um, they were like, just buy Silpat. It's like, yeah, but those are twice expensive. And also the only way to reliably buy Silpat is in a store in person. I don't want, I don't mind the, I think that's right, Andrew. That's it. Yeah. You've got to go to a store in person. I don't mind the money that you have to spend on real Silpats. I don't mind generic non-silpats silpats what i cannot abide is buying counterfeit products cannot will not abide counterfeit products and so kim wanted to get some silpats she was going to order them and i said don't order these these are counterfeit silpats it says it right there (laughs) silpat counterfeit don't fucking buy these so she was like well what about these and it was amazon prime two-day amazon basics silpats and i was like they're probably shitty But it doesn't matter. Buy them. That's fine. You can use them this year for Christmas cookies. And we did. And we've used them. And, Andrew, they're good. They're good. Just like the ones I recommended. I think that's right. So here we are. We are at a place in silicone baking sheets that all things are created equal. Silicone can only get so good. Right. Wow. Yeah. Maybe you add robotics to it. (laughs) Maybe that's right. Um... (laughs) Yeah, you you know, I haven't used these long enough to say, like, they are better or worse or they're going to be better or they're going to be worse or or whatever. But I can say that they do exactly what they're supposed to do. Yeah. 
They do exactly, and, and they've worked exactly the way I wanted them to work. Um, These, and they fit, they're cut to fit half sheets. Yes. So if you have some silicone mats, some half sheets, your life just got so much easier. Half sheets are so much easier to bake on and any other oven thing to do. Go to the restaurant supply, buy half sheets, get rid of all your mismatched, all even your matched bullshit. Get rid rid of of everything. Yeah, buy raw aluminum half sheets and get some quarter sheets too because they're really nice for. (laughs) Do you serve stuff on quarter sheets or eighth sheets? Uh, I would, but I still have a kid who's small enough that I can't actually family style any dinner. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, We serve family style on half sheets and or on not half sheets on quarter sheets. So just stick and and it looks good. It does. Well, they the ones I got. I got some. I don't. They're like an Amazon buy. They stained fast, and it's really hard to get the stains. I like the stains. I like the stains. I I think it looks good. It looks rustic. I dig it. We have. I really. I'm gonna. I I'm gonna buy some more and just get rid of all of my other mismatched bullshit. All that bullshit. Because they also fit together so nicely. Oh fuck. There's a reason the restaurants use them. Half sheets. They cook way more than you do. And you should, if you can do the thing that a restaurant is doing, reasonably priced, you should be doing it. Yeah. And and if you if you feel in flush, get the Nordicware because they're really nice. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But you don't have to. You can just go to the restaurant supply and get the ones that are eleven bucks or whatever. Yeah. But well, the, last time I went, they were all out of, of half sheets. The Nordicware are like twenty. Yeah. They're not expensive. Raw aluminum. Don't get any of the coatings. If it's coated, just don't unless you know exactly what you want and why you're doing it and you can't they don't warp this has turned into just a half sheet show i know <laughs> the Nordic we're not wa- even talking about half sheets today so your your amazon basics silpat ripoffs yes get them you you sent me they're very good you sent me a color palette it, we can talk about that later okay. uh it's not your other thing the yes so link will be in the show notes <laughs> okay. um and yeah Andrew, do we have anything else that we need to talk about that you feel like you absolutely must talk about that if you don't talk about it? One last thing. Oh, Jesus. Thank you to all of you out there listening to us yammer on about all of the bullshit you've listened to us talk about. We have both had the privilege of getting to meet many of you in person, and we've been super blessed by that and are really grateful for it. We're really appreciative for this thing that we started in a spare bedroom and eventually evolved into a bonus room. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We're really, really thankful for you guys. We've had an awesome year. We've had a lot of fun doing this and we are really, really happy that you have, been on the ride with us we appreciate this community and a happy end to 2022 happy new year and that's it that's the thing i had to get off my chest i like it that's such a kind and and uh nice thing to say to these people i don't think i don't, I don't agree think they with, deserved it but i don't agree <laughs> with any of that <laughs> <laughs> it was the obligatory end of the year sentimental thing you're supposed to do that, right? Yeah. No, I think that's right. Yeah. 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 You, it's, it's what we talked about. You just make stuff up about how you're thankful. Yeah. Andrew, do you mind if we take a second to thank our sponsors? We need to. This episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast is brought to you by Escapement Media. If you're starting a new watch brand or have an existing brand, Escapement Media has your photography and video needs covered. Once you see the photos, you won't be able to escape. Check Escapement out at escapementmedia.com. By Foster Watches. Great effing watches. Check out the 11 Atmos Skin Diver now on sale at fosterwatches.com. And by Frank Affronti Photography. Offering images and video of real watches on real adventures. Your favorite divers from 100 feet below to 14,000 feet up. Now accepting underwater bookings for March of 2023 at Afrontography.com. Links to all of those will be available in the show notes. And more importantly, look, guys, seriously, this is a serious thing. Tell your friends. 
If you want to advertise on 4920 The Watch Clicker Podcast, send us an email at hello at watchclicker.com. And thanks, you guys, for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast. You can check us out at watchclicker.com because that's the website. That's where we post everything, including every episode of this podcast, articles, reviews, etc. You can also check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20 underscore watch clicker or at watch clicker where we post photos and updates on what's going on on the website. If you want to support us, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That's how we pay for all this fine, fine equipment, software, hardware, hosting, etc. There's a lot of money there. We really appreciate your support. And don't forget to check us out next Thursday in 2023 for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.